Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Sarah. I'm one of the pastors at the Vine Church in Pasco. And thank you. Thank you for being here with me. It has been a wonderful week. It was spring break for us. And, and for many of us with, with kiddos, that meant that it was a total change of routine. And we actually got to go out of town this last week and spend time with the family and rest and relax. And so it was a wonderful, wonderful week. One of the things I loved most about this week was that we didn't have any homework to deal with. No homework at all. We have two girls, a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old, and often we have a lot of homework. And as a previous third grade school teacher, um, I have dealt with my share of homework from both sides as a teacher and as a parent. I was thinking about the, the lack of homework this week and I was thinking about a time a few years ago when we had a homework mishap. <laughs> I was in the kitchen and I was cleaning up and their stuff had gotten piled up on the kitchen counters, which happens a lot at our house. And so I was sorting through some of those piles and putting things away. And I saw this piece of notebook paper and it was kind of crinkled and it had some writing on it, some doodling on it. And I glanced at it just real quick and it didn't look important to me. And so I quickly just tossed that into the trash with, with all the other trash that I was throwing away. And then after we had taken out the trash, and I believe it was even trash day that day. So the trash had even gotten picked up and like, it was crazy. After all that had happened, we realized, one of my daughters realizes, hey, that was my homework. And that's really important, mom. And I remember um, writing the note to the teacher saying, hey, I'm sorry, this, it actually is my fault this time <laughs> that my daughter doesn't have the homework. I saw it and it didn't look important to me. And so I tossed it. You know, that homework was not what I expected it to be. Israel for, had for centuries waited for a Messiah, a king that would come and save them. And they were looking for this king. They were expecting this king. But when Jesus came, he was not what they had expected. They were expecting a king, but not a king quite like that. He was different. He was surprising. He was unexpected in so many ways. And some were able to rethink their expectations and shift and receive him as king. And others were not. And so today we're going to be looking at some of the key events in the Passion Week, which is the week prior to Jesus's crucifixion and resurrection. We're going to look at some of those key events leading up to that weekend and ask the question, what kind of king is Jesus? What kind of king is Jesus? I think even for us today, 2000 years later, he is an unexpected king. Today, as, as many of you know, is Palm Sunday. And on Palm Sunday, we traditionally remember Jesus entering into Jerusalem. Uh, it's often called his triumphant entry. And so we're going to start there. Jesus is with his disciples. And as he's approaching Jerusalem, he tells his disciples, hey, go in town and you'll find a donkey and a colt tied up and bring that donkey 
to me. And so the disciples do that. They bring him this donkey with, with a colt, with a baby donkey right next to her. And they lay their cloaks on the donkey. And Jesus gets up on the donkey and starts to ride it into town. And crowds have heard that Jesus is coming. And, and many in that crowd were disciples of Jesus that had seen the miracles that he had performed. And so they started to line the streets and they would lay down their cloaks and their branches in front of Jesus. We read about this in Matthew chapter 21, verse 9. The crowds went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. So this crowd gathers and, and they lay down their cloaks and branches, kind of like the red carpet treatment, the first century version of the red carpet treatment for Jesus. And Jesus is, is coming into town on this donkey and they're shouting, Hosanna. And Hosanna is, is the Hebrew word for save us. It's like this plea, this cry, save us. And they call him the son of David, which is a messianic title for the long awaited king that would come from the line of David that would save Israel. So they're declaring that he is king and asking Jesus to save them. You know, this, this scene of a large crowd gathering and um, a king riding into town and the celebration and the praise. In some ways, that was very typical when a king returned um, from battle, from victory, the people would gather. And yet in other ways, it was, th this scene was very atypical because typically, there would be a great show of military strength and the king would be wearing his armor and holding his weapon and his his soldiers would be riding behind him and he would be seated on a great big horse, very honorable entry. And yet this is very different. Jesus chooses to come in riding a donkey, a mama donkey at that with her little baby walking, likely walking next to him. What does this say about the type of king that Jesus is? What kind of king does this? Jesus is a humble and gentle king. He was gentle and humble. He was the expected son of David who came in a very unexpected way. The story continues. And as this King Jesus is approaching Jerusalem on this donkey, he begins to weep. He begins to cry. Luke 19, starting in verse 41. As Jesus approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it and said, if you even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace. Oh, but now it is hidden from you. Jesus looks at Jerusalem and starts to weep and he says, if you'd only known what would bring you peace, if only 
you knew what would bring you peace. And this isn't the first time that Jesus has lamented over Jerusalem. And Jerusalem really represents all of Israel here. In Luke chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus said this over Jerusalem. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wing, and yet you were not willing. Jesus grieves over Jerusalem. He grieves over Israel because he longs for them to accept peace. And Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came to bring about peace. And in peace, what we mean by that is, is wholeness, healing, well-being found in God, found in Jesus. And so as Jesus approaches Jerusalem, he weeps over them and longing for them to accept peace knowing that ultimately they will reject Jesus and, and ultimately there is a war coming to Jerusalem, which in, in likely he was referring to as well in 70 AD when Jerusalem and the temple will be destroyed. So as we ask this question, what kind of king is Jesus? Jesus is a king who deeply grieves over brokenness. And he is a king who longs for peace. He grieves over brokenness and longs for peace. The week will continue. And every day Jesus will go to the temple to teach and on one of these such days, there's quite a scene at the temple. Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 12. Matthew tells the story. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. So this, this week, this Passion Week is the Passover week. And so it's one of uh, the largest festivals that the Israelite people celebrated each year. And Jerusalem was the hub, was the center with the temple. And so Jerusalem, there's an estimated like 400,000 extra people in Jerusalem during this week. And these are, these are Jews and, and, um, Yahweh followers who've come from all over the world to as a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, to the temple. And so there was tons of people around. And when the pilgrims would come to Jerusalem, usually they would bring money with them because at the temple they would, they would pay the temple tax and they would also purchase animals 
to sacrifice because that was a part of the 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 festival the part of the way they celebrated Passover and so people came from all different places and they came with all different types of currency and so at the temple there would be money changers who would change the currency into currency that they could use there at the temple and so the outer courts of the temple were filled with money changers who were competitive or competing and many were corrupt and they were filled with people selling animals and it had become almost like this this marketplace within the temple and in righteous anger Jesus enters and he sees this and he overturns the temple, scattering the stuff of the money changers. And in Mark, the, the telling of the story in Mark, Mark actually tells us that he prevented people from carrying merchandise into the temple. And he says, this is meant to be a house of prayer, a house of prayer for all nations. And you have turned it into a den of robbers. You know, throughout Jesus's teaching and Jesus's life, we see that his harshest words were always reserved for the religious or the so-called religious who were actually harming others because Jesus was very much concerned with righteousness, with right living with people living to God's standards, living in God's way. And so Jesus enters the temple and he sees what is happening is not good. It's not the house of prayer that the temple was intended to be. And so he, he, he disperses that. And then the next verse, one little sentence, and it's so beautiful. Instead of that, Verse 14 says, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. The blind and the lame. These were the unlovely of society. The people that society had pushed away to the margin. They were the unclean who were actually not allowed in the temple. And what does Jesus do? What does this king do? He heals them in the temple and he makes them clean. He invites them in and he meets them right in their need. And I love this one sentence in this very chaotic little scene. I love it because it's a beautiful depiction of God's love and grace reaching out to the margins and drawing people close to God. Because that is the God we serve. God who sees people who are often unseen. And not only does God see those people, but God draws them close. He invites them in, healing them. So what kind of king is King Jesus? Well, he is a righteous king and he is a compassionate king. He is a king who sees people on the margin. He is a king who heals. 
While this and other things that Jesus did continued to upset the religious leaders of the time, they had already turned against Jesus. And, and these sorts of things that Jesus was doing and teaching continued to upset them and they began plotting against Jesus. Matthew chapter 23 and starting in verse 35, the story continues. One of them, an expert in the law, this is one of the religious leaders, one of them tested Jesus with this question. They're trying to trap him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two announcements. So the religious leaders come come to Jesus to trap him at his words. And they, they ask him this question, what's the greatest command? And Jesus responds with a portion of the Shema. And the Shema is a, um, is the, is the Jewish confession of faith that was recited regularly by all Jews. And Shema is the Hebrew word for hear, but it, it actually means more than just hear. It means to hear and do or to listen and to obey. And the Shema part of it comes from Deuteronomy 6. And it starts in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. And so it starts with the word Shema. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So as the religious leaders come to Jesus to try to trap him and ask him this question, what's the greatest command? Jesus responds with the the well-known, beautiful Jewish confession of faith. And he says, love the Lord, your God. And then he continues. He doesn't stop there. He says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, Jesus knew that these two commandments, love God and love your neighbor, were were intricately tied together. They are one command in that they cannot be separated. When you love God, you also love your neighbor. You love people with that love. So what kind of king is Jesus? King Jesus, he is a king who preaches and practices love. Love God and love your neighbor. The week will continue and on Passover, there's a Passover feast and this feast, it's, it's beautiful, symbolic feast and, and it's really interesting if you want to look at some of the details, some of the things that um, are were normal for a Passover feast because it remembers the Exodus. It remembers, it commemorates when God led the people Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt. And so um, everyone came and, and for this festival, this that was this whole week, but the Passover meal was a big deal. And so Jesus is eating the Passover meal with his disciples and he gets up 
from the Passover meal and he wraps a towel around his waist and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. Now to us, that may sound like a really strange thing <laughs> to do. Um, I, I would be a bit uncomfortable if that happened <laughs> at our house. Um, but it was actually a common practice of the day. People often wore sandals and it was dusty. And so it was common that when one entered a house, that one washed their feet. And usually, um, that the, the foot washing would be done by a servant or by a slave, the, a, someone really low on the social standing in society. And Jesus here, the King Jesus, in the middle of this Passover feast, gets up, puts a towel around his waist, and begins to do this dirty job that was supposed to be done by the servants, supposed to be done by the slaves. As you can imagine, this was shocking and this was uncomfortable for the disciples. And what gets me is that Jesus washed all of his disciples' feet, even Judas, whom he knew was betraying him. And then once he's done, he he puts the towel down and he gets back to, he sits back down at the table and he says this to his disciples in John 12, starting in verse 12. He says, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I have set you an example. King Jesus was not the expected king. The way he lived, the way he operated. Here we see Jesus serving, doing the lowest job and doing that intentionally to set an example for the disciples. And he says to them, this is what it means to follow me, that you would serve each other. So what kind of king is Jesus? Jesus is a servant king. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. The last story I want to look at, the last event I want to look at today is, is actually con a continuation from this. It's during the same Passover meal after Jesus has sit, sat down and they're eating and drinking. Jesus gives new meaning to the bread and to the wine that they were eating and drinking. Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. 
This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. He takes the bread and he takes the wine and he gives it new meaning. And these were common things to have at any meal and especially at the Passover meal. He says, the bread represents my body, that he broke it and his body would be broken. And then he says, the, the wine, he took the cup, this represents my blood. And then he says something very specific. He says, uh, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. You know, the blood of the covenant. Now to us, that may sound really strange. <laughs> In our culture, we don't use blood a whole lot. Um, however, to the Israelites, this would have had, would have had layers of meaning. Blood meant a lot to the Israelite people. Blood was used to seal new covenants. When people were making covenants, were, were setting these agreements and finalizing them, finalizing them, blood was used in that process. And it was typically animal blood. And then blood was also used to atone for sin, to make reparations for sin. Again, we, we see this in the Old Testament, the use of animal blood to atone for sin. And Jesus is saying, this represents my blood, which will be poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. See, Jesus, King Jesus, was inaugurating a new kingdom, a new covenant between God and people. And Jesus was to be the sacrifice needed to atone for sin, that he might offer forgiveness, that he might begin this new covenant between God and people. So what kind of king is Jesus? Jesus is a king willing to take others' sin upon himself so that he can offer forgiveness. He is willing to make the hard sacrifice, his own life, that he might offer forgiveness to people. It is one of of the ways that Jesus not only practices love, this self-giving love, but uh, not only teaches it, but also practices, demonstrates his love for us in his, and, and for all humanity, in his willingness to lay down his life for others so that he might offer the forgiveness of sins. As we look at these stories, um, we see in many ways that Jesus was not the king the Israelites had expected. And in many ways, Jesus is still an unexpected king for us. He doesn't come wielding power or amassing riches. He doesn't come to live comfortably and to be served. Rather, Jesus is a different kind of king. He is humble and gentle. Jesus deeply grieves 
over brokenness and longs for peace that humanity would have wholeness and healing and well-being found in God. Jesus is righteous. He is compassionate. He is a king who sees those on the margins. He is a king who heals. Jesus is a king who not only preaches love, but practices love. Love for God and love for people. Jesus is a servant king, willing and wanting to serve others. He demonstrates this in his willingness to lay down his own life to, by taking on the sin of others that he might offer forgiveness and mercy. And so today, friends, we are invited to follow this kind of king, this king, King Jesus. And this journey might not be what we envision or expect. God still has a way of surprising us. But this surprising and unexpected king is so worth following. Jesus is the hope that we have for, for our lives and for this whole world that through Jesus, we as individuals and as communities might be healed. That through Jesus, we might experience true peace, true wholeness found in God, found in Jesus. So we are invited today to follow King Jesus. And also, we are invited to be like Jesus. In his mission and his purpose and his lifestyle, we are invited to imitate Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to transform us that we might become more and more like Jesus. May we be gentle and humble. May we grieve over brokenness and pain and sin. And may we work towards peace, this wholeness and healing found in Jesus. May we live righteously, and by that I mean rightly, live according to God's standards, God's way. May we be compassionate. May we see people, may we be caring of others. May we love God and love people, love our neighbors. May we demonstrate this love with both our words and our actions. May we see and serve others. And in Jesus, may we receive the forgiveness of our sins and may we share this good news with others, pointing people to the source of peace, pointing people to King Jesus, who is the source of forgiveness and grace, pointing people to God, who is love. May we live like Jesus. I invite you to pray with me as we close. Dear God, we thank you. We thank you for these words today in scriptures that 
help us to understand a little bit better, a little bit deep in deeper ways who you are, what kind of king Jesus is. Lord, we praise you because you are unlike any other king. We thank you that you have invited us on this journey to love you and to love others and to live into this type of kingdom, not a kingdom based on power and riches and might, but rather a kingdom based on love. Lord, we pray that you would help us be more like Jesus, be more like you, and help us live out this love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, friends, for joining me today. I hope you have a wonderful week.